This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sports team, the episode that you guys have been waiting for for all your life. You know you've wanted it. You've been thinking about it every single day. Yes, it's true. It's time for Go My Favorite Sports Team to return the interrogation of this so-called man named Tyler. And, and is he really who he says he is? You you wait until you talk. Oh, the accused. J-accused, uh, I must say. You sit right there and you think about what you've done your entire life because that's what we're going to be talking about. It's time for Tyler Sport Life Part 2. But where are we and who are we and how did we get here? My name is Markiplier and I'm here talking up a storm about sports today, taking over the hosting seat of this uh, humble little podcast here that we call Go. And joined today in the accusation stand is, uh, what's your name? <laughs> Pretend like this is a thicker piece of paper and not a napkin. <laughs> Ah, Mr. Tyler, uh, shit. <laughs> Introduce yourself. State your name for the record. Oh, I can talk now? Yeah. Hi, I'm Tyler Scheid. I'm... Shid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tyler Scheid, not shit. <laughs> not shit either. <laughs> Tyler right. Scheid. Right. Uh, I have a master's degree in sport administration. I'm the so-called expert, but I am the master of sport on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I've been friends with Mark since fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I I don't know what else to say. Well, you don't have anything else to say because I haven't prompted you. And it's funny that you mentioned fourth grade because fourth grade is where we left off in your life. But I do have to say something before we get started. I have many things to say before we get started. How dare you, number one? What? How dare you? What? Every one of these other people that have been a part of this podcast, me, Bob, Wade, we don't have a part two. We got it all done in part one. How do you think that you're oh so special? Oh, I'm Tyler shit. I get my, oh, I just get a two-parter here because that's how amazing my life is. What do you have to say about that? Maybe I'm just the better interviewer so I get through the actual process of the whole thing in one go as opposed to you. Or you don't interview good enough. 
or and I'm just too good at it. Or my sports knowledge is just that much larger and that much more experienced than everybody else that has been interviewed so far. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, that's fantastic. But I'm not the only one who is absolutely livid with you. Oh. There's other people on the internet that are incredibly furious and completely justified in their fury. All right. I'm, sure. I will be. I feel like I should be the judge of that. No. Oh. Anyway, Skidmark Generator asks, good evening, Mr. Tyler, if that is your real name. I have enjoyed listening to your esteemed podcast for the last year and have found it to be quite educational. However, upon this day of Sunday, the 15th, I was delivering pharmaceuticals betwixt the hospital rooms and was so mortified that I nearly dropped my bupivacaine. I think we all know what that is. Uh, yep. How dare you center the most recent episode about snowboarding? I do enjoy the historical segment of these videos, and as such, it makes sense to start from the ancient beginnings of the sport. But no! You seem to favor the brutish savagery, once called snurfing, over the elegant, gentle, and beautiful sport of downhill skiing. How dare you make the art of skiing a side mention, now and again, while covering the crime of snowboarding in complete detail. Have you any idea how greatly the youths of the day mar the name of the winter sport with their winterized skateboarding? I thought I knew you better than this. As a fellow person of French heritage, I curse thee that thou baguettes be as hard as the toughest stone, no matter how freshly you may purchase them! Sincerely, Monsieur Skidmark Generator. First off. <laughs> oh, whoa. You gotta let that First land. Off. That was a that was a good jacu. We haven't had a jacuz that spicy in a long time. Mm, no, that was, great, that. That, that was a great that was a great jacuz. But first off, uh-huh. I need to point out I'm not French. No, that's not true at all. I'm not French. Anyway, beside <laughs> that point, skiing was not a I-fermented sideshow upon the snowboarding episode. Uh-huh. It was mentioned distinctly and with purpose at certain points. And if you even <sighs> remember at the very beginning when I talked about the invention of the snurfer, uh-huh. it was two skis put together. Uh-huh. Therefore, showcasing in clear detail that uh-huh. skiing came first. Also, I am a skiing aficionado myself. Uh, yeah. I enjoy the skiing. I partake in the skiing. I've been skiing up and down hills since I was three years old. So that's not true because in the in the Tyler Sport Life Part One, it was never mentioned. And we went you chronologically. You didn't ask the question about <laughs> sports. But the point is, in today's day and age, uh-huh. snowboarding has surpassed skiing in popularity. Mm-hmm. It is more commonly seen and looked upon on YouTube and beyond. Mm-hmm. Snowboarding actually lent itself to advanced skiing to start doing park skiing. Mm. So I focused on snowboarding first. So what? It made sense in my head, and it made sense to do that because it appealed to a larger audience in the aforementioned episode. So Tyler's trying to pursue uh, uh, viewers and listeners over actual quality of content. I understand that. No. I understand your anger. And it's it's not that skiing was a side note. It was just small snippets strewn about randomly in the episode. Very different from side note. Uh-huh. Skiing requires a little more studying and detail uh-huh. because there is a longer history. Uh-huh. Snowboarding is more recent. I'll give you some history. Do you know what country likes skiing the most, Mr. Aficionado? Likes skiing the mm-hmm. most? Yeah. It's definitely like Sweden or Norway. It's France. 
Mr. Frenchman. And that proves that Tyler is French. It's been proven, undisputed champion of the ski world, Mr. Frenchman Shide. Although he betrayed his own people in uh, doing a snowboarding episode, I just want everyone to really remember that um, and uh, confront him about that at many times. Anyway, with that excellent... Germany has the most skiers. No, I said likes. Oh, France is second. Mm -hmm. The undisputed champion of the world of skiing is undoubtedly France. Its many resorts are easily accessible and the most popular European winter holiday destination in the world. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Explains because of the French Alps. Yes, exactly. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. Where we last left off with Tyler's sport life was a little game called Foursquare. Or it was a multitude of games that took place on the uh, in school recess, but this took place on the blacktop where recess happened. And there was Foursquare, and there was a little little game that they created called Wink Wink Nod Nod. And if you if you remember what we discussed, uh, you can go back and listen to the episode. But it was a game that centered around an extreme sequence of bullying. And now I think I want to name this chapter. It's not chapter one. We'll call it one A because okay. it's part two. We'll call it two A. Chapter 2A. To be, I don't know, whatever. To be or not to be? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Just because those letter and number need to be said does not need to be quoting Shakespeare. God, you really are French, aren't you? <laughs> anyway. So, Tyler the bully. I was not the bully. Tyler, I was the bully. Tyler the bully. As I've heard many times, I, I don't remember experiencing myself, but it must have just because I was uh, not within his, the reach of his wrath. His giant wingspan didn't come out and smack me in the back of my head. Why were you such a bully at such a young age, and especially pertaining to your sports? All right. First of all, I was a bully, mm. but not in the way that you were painting me he out He confessed it, everyone. He confessed it. I, I beat up all but two kids in kindergarten. He beat up every kid but two. <laughs> You, how can you say that as if it's a good thing? You I li- never said it was a good thing. You literally said you beat up every kid but two. Yeah, Wade was one of the kids I didn't beat up. Why? Because he was taller than me. How much taller? How tall was he in kindergarten? He's been tall like his whole life. Came out the womb six foot four. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but him and uh, uh, George were in my kindergarten class, and I didn't beat them up. I just had this this thing where if somebody got in my way, I'd just move them out of my way. Mm, okay. Um. So I got in trouble a lot in elementary school because it was just like I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and if somebody got in my way, I just kind of did what I wanted to do. Hmm, interesting. Almost like you took care of the problem. You got a problem, you just gets in your way, you just gotta moves it out of the way. Preferably into the nearest lake with some cement shoes. Is that what you're talking about? Sure, why not? He's, he I confessed. Did oh that my god, Hennigan. he's confessing to everything. That is not what happened. Okay, but fourth grade you're saying you weren't a bully? It started wearing off by then. Mm. Um, I got in plenty of trouble before then, and I didn't really start doing that. And actually going into like fifth grade and sixth grade, I kind of stopped. But the high school principal knew me when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of how much I got in trouble. Hmm. Um, Did the uh, middle school principal know you? Yeah. Did the junior high principal know you? Yes. Did the high school principal know you? Yes. Well, that's pretty damning evidence, everyone. I think he... <laughs> hold on, hold on. The director of my college also knew me. <laughs> oh, God. He was a college bully, everybody. I was not. He was a collegiate bully. No, no. Brought bullying to Why? a new level. Why? How does this have to do with the, my sports? <laughs> what do you mean? It's everything to do with sports. Because sports are, are what build up these habits of competitiveness. And I think it's the competitiveness that's spilling out into the rest of your life, right? I mean, competitive does spill out in the rest of my night. So my what life, sport so. were you playing in fourth grade? Baseball, wrestling. Yeah, no, because I didn't switch to basketball until like sixth grade. Mm -hmm. um, were you winning a lot? Yeah. Were you winning as much as you wanted to? No. There we have it, the source. <laughs> the <laughs> motivation, the, source. the rage building up inside of him from all of these losses. Listen, I acknowledge my bullying past and how awful I was to some people in my past, mm -hmm. but I also want to point out mm -hmm. that I own that and it helped shape me to who I am today to the point to where I try not to do that. Mm -hmm. And I go out of my way to help those situations because more often than not, the bully is also undergoing some sort of pain and turmoil. So uh, you're the victim. I'm not saying I'm the victim. Okay. I'm saying that to understand how a person works, you need to look beyond their actions sometimes to understand why they may be thinking that's what they should do. Which is why we're exploring this. So let's look beyond the actions themselves. In fourth grade or growing up and going, because this is important because you're about to hit puberty. Yeah. Eventually here in a few years, you're going to hit puberty. And that does have profound changes on the human body in general. Um, and sometimes it can uh, like showcase itself in terms of a boost of testosterone and anger and, and residual rage. But you weren't really a bully after puberty. No. You wouldn't say that, right? No. So why this childhood rage was building up inside of you? Is it just like the unfettered competitive spirit? I don't think so. I think it came down to a couple of things because some my dad told me this. I used to be this happy-go-lucky, super kind kid, and then I went to school. That's mm. literally what he said. I see. And then something happened when I went to school. I don't remember exactly what it was, but something created like this kind of mean streak in me. I didn't want to be there. I didn't enjoy being there. I think there was a level of like I was getting picked on because I distinctly remember in fourth grade uh, we had show and tell, which was very common. Mm -hmm. And I brought in my second place in the city tournament wrestling medal. Mm -hmm. And there was a kid who, who I considered a friend of mine who was like, that's fake. That's your dad's. You didn't do that. And it was like, no, like I did. And that's my accomplishment. And it, so in the eyes of my peers, a lot of my accomplishments and a lot of my abilities were diminished. 
And then also I know in first grade, I was really good at math. I always had a uh, math aptitude and I'd raise my hand all the time to answer the question. I would never get called on. Mm -hmm. And so I would eventually just blurt out the answer because I'd get annoyed that other people weren't answering. Nobody else wanted to answer, but I want to get picked. And so I got kicked out of class a lot. So teachers kind of like shoved me to the side, considered me a disturbance, considered me an annoyance. And I think that probably built up some of the tension that I had with relation to my peers as well. So Maybe there's a competitive nature. Maybe it was just like I felt on the outside. I felt like I didn't belong. And there was a level of that at home. I was always distinctly different than my brother, my mom, and my dad, so much so that my mom worked really hard to like try and understand me. But like the way my brain works, and I think we've discussed this before in the past, is just different. How I process things and how I have to do things in a different order that makes sense to me for me to understand something. Whereas to a lot of other people, it's just like, no, this, this, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it comes from a pattern of being dismissed. Yeah. You're either your accomplishments or you your ability or your potential being dismissed. And so maybe it was like trying to showcase that I was capable in that and trying to get attention. Mm -hmm. Okay. What this does reflect, though, is a, is a source of confidence. You mm -hmm. do have a confidence in yourself, just other people can't see it. So you have to show them mm -hmm. exactly what you can do. Whereas a lot of people probably could say in their childhood, they did not have confidence. And this is important because going in to the, the future of your sport life to jump ahead a little bit, a lot of it comes from just this desire to prove yourself, to prove your ability to do something, even if people are saying you can't do it because only you know your limits or only you can find your limits. You may not know your limits, but everyone out there has not found them yet. Yeah. But we haven't gotten there yet. We got glorious puberty right around the corner. Tyler's balls are about to drop. Plunk, plunk. So we're going to skip ahead a little bit because it's boring in this childhood. It's stupid. It was a dumb little kid. Now we're still a dumb little kid. <laughs> but yeah, let's call sixth grade. Let's going into okay. junior high school. Well, seventh and eighth is junior high school. Let's yeah. go junior high school. Okay. This is all of the kids that think they're about to go into the adult world, but they're nowhere near it. They don't even realize how close it is. But the one thing I remember from junior high that was so life-changing that just like destroyed my perception of reality, I hated everything about it, and I couldn't understand why it happened. Recess. Oh, yeah. Recess was suddenly abolished, and they never explained why. They did, literally, they, no, did they did not didn't. explain why. I got to seventh grade. And I'm like, when's recess? And they're like, never. You got to stay after school if you want to play. And I'm like, but I don't want to be in school. And they're like, that's too bad, ain't it? <laughs> but why did they get rid of recess? I don't know. That's I honestly think recess was such an invigorating thing growing up, having that break and having physical exercise and mm. then going back and having class. Yeah. It allowed you to release that energy and you got to spend time in the actual like center of the day mm. when the sun is up and it's it's warm out and it's fun. Even yeah. when it was cold out, we had recess. Yeah, it was just nuts. And I know what people are going to say is they replaced it with gym because they didn't really have gym in middle school and whatnot. Right? They had it in middle school, but it, it was, yeah, we didn't have it in elementary school. Mm -hmm. But it was more of an emphasis oh. on gym. And then high school definitely had more extracurricular classes like, um, uh, what was it called? Outside sports or something? Like that? Outdoor rec. Yeah. Outdoor rec. Yeah, that was it. 
No, we definitely had gym in elementary school too, but it was like once a week. Yeah, it was not emphasized. And I think it's like building up team building and stuff like that. But for me, as a student, I did not perceive of the sporting world, really, mm -hmm. until junior high came around and it was like a removal of this play to this competitive world of sports. Because when you get to junior high, suddenly, especially in terms of football and baseball, you actually have uh, games that more people will go to, more yeah. people of the community. What were your sports in this era of your life? Okay, so wrestling was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, I was playing baseball. In fact, my team, we were one of the best teams. We would have went to the city tournament, but because half of our team were soccer players and soccer season started up, we didn't go to the city tournament. So like my main sports were those two. I think I played a little bit of basketball. That was when I tried out for the school team because that was the other thing is you started having tryouts for sports. Mm -hmm. So they were high, more highly selective of who would be on the team. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I distinctly remember this. Because I was pretty good at basketball. Mm -hmm. I wasn't great. I couldn't dribble the best or anything like that. My size and my ability to jump and get rebounds and just kind of outmuscle some people. And then my defensive ability was outstanding. But during tryouts, because mm -hmm. I didn't, I was like, well, if I make the basketball team, I'm not going to wrestle again. Because I had stopped wrestling briefly in like sixth grade and played basketball. And so I tried out for the team seventh grade. And the last drill on the last day of cuts was dribbling around cones. And I asked them, I was like, can I dribble left-handed? No, you have to dribble right. I'm left-handed. So I had to dribble with my off hand in a drill that everybody was dribbling with their strong hand. And I distinctly believe that I got cut because of handest bull. I think that if you would have just dribbled with your left hand, they wouldn't have noticed. It's kind of one of those things where like, did you notice the dancing bears? Like they're not going to call you out. They're just going to be like, oh, he's dribbling real but good. But me as seventh grade kid yeah, who yeah, yeah. wants to be very coachable because that was something my dad and my, all of my coaches instilled is you listen to the coach. You're very coachable. That's how you play. You're a team mm -hmm. sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I did it and I got cut. And I distinctly remember Leonard who also was left-handed, also got cut that same day. Interesting. Interesting. Did they, like, get a megaphone? They were just like, you must be right-handed <laughs> if you pass to a left-handed player. The game's over. <laughs> that can't happen. No. Nay, I say. So I didn't play basketball because uh, that's why I was wrestling. Uh, um, I mean, growing up, I did swim lessons and stuff, but I never swam competitively. I started playing water polo in seventh grade. Mm, there was okay. spring water polo, and my brother was a freshman in high school school I and see. he swam competitively and he was on the water polo team and so there was a spring intramural water polo where you just played against the same kids in the school uh -huh. so i started playing water polo in seventh grade okay um and i think those were my main three sports all right but let's dwell on the failure some more so you failed you didn't make it to the basketball team you got cut yeah that had to hurt how many people did you beat up after you found out about that none none that we know of none None, period? Period. What happened to the rage? The, it didn't have anything to do with the competitive nature. Did you kill anybody? I was disappointed. I was upset. Mm -hmm. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't beat anybody up. Did you cry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be completely honest, <laughs> I did. I know. It was at home, not in public. My but... laughing feels mean now. <laughs> <laughs> he cried. Anyway, but okay, so you didn't beat anyone up? No. Not a single person? No. Not one? No. Not even a mean word? Not even a, hey, nerd, shoving a locker? No. Not even a ruffle, give a wet willy? Like, seventh and eighth grade, I was mostly quiet. I wasn't mean to many people. Interesting. So was some of that confidence that you had as a kid starting to crumble a bit? Yes. Really? And what was that? For one, I almost failed out of English class. 
Ah, interesting. My parents always had a rule that if we got a C, we get grounded. Oh. So the reason being, and this is why I was okay with it, was and I talked to my parents about it afterwards. Is it's like the only way me and my brother should be getting a C in class is if we're not doing the work. Yeah, of course. Like we are capable of getting those grades, so we should get those grades. It's not because we're not smart, mm-hmm. because we just weren't doing the work. Yeah. So, I don't know. I focused on baseball. I was really good at baseball and I wrestled and I was okay at wrestling. I always wrestled better against people that I knew. Mm-hmm. I was wrestling against you around that time. Yes. We were close to the same weight class. Mm-hmm. This was when actually me and you started becoming better friends. Like mm-hmm. we knew of each other for a long time. Yeah. But during the meets and everything was when we would talk. Yeah. It was between seventh and eighth grade that puberty hit me. And then I actually put on muscle and I was like, hey, wow, look at me. Oh. Uh, but I remember um, I lost many, many a match in seventh grade. And then eighth grade, I was like, hey, I can win something. Wow. I could pick this person up and bend him in half. <laughs> Whereas in seventh grade, I couldn't do that. That was when you could do the splits and everything too. Yeah. Way long ago when I was flexible. I still could be if I tried, but I don't, I don't try. I'm not going to try, but okay. So we've got this starts to the seeds of doubt. And I think like the reason I'm getting into this is not just I'm trying to psychoanalyze you because there is a picture to be painted of your sport life. When and I'm getting ahead of myself just a mm-hmm. little bit, but I think everybody knows. When did you know that you had a medical condition that would put a timer on your sporting life or generally you, maybe even your life at that point? When did you know? So I hadn't known fully the extent of it, but I knew like when I first got diagnosed when I was two mm-hmm. that I had kidney disease. I knew I went to doctors more often than other people, but it was eighth grade. I'm not in the wrestling photos for eighth grade wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because I had a kidney biopsy during that time over spring break. And the reason for that was that was when they discovered that protein was spilling into my urine. Mm -hmm. And so it was eighth grade that I was officially put on medication. I was put on a nalopril, which helps prolong kidney function. If you look it up, it's a heart blood pressure medication. Mm -hmm. But it's used in this particular case on a smaller dose, which one of the side effects of it was cramping. And it was at that point that I think I really had the realization that like, yo, this is really starting to actually affect me. Mm -hmm. Whether I knew when it would come, the timetable was like, oh, it could be when he's 40, something like that, because they didn't really get a super clear diagnosis because they diagnosed me with Alport syndrome. Mm -hmm. But Alport syndrome is a genetically carried condition. Mm -hmm. And there is absolutely no history of it in my family. Mm -hmm. Therefore, based on general understanding, they just kind of threw me in that box because it's the one that made sense. My mom had lupus and she had at this point had had her kidney transplant when I was in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. That was actually a traumatic day, but we don't talk about that yet. Mm -hmm. And so I understood like what all like kidney function affected and stuff like that. And so at that point, I kind of had this understanding that I have a detriment that a lot of the other athletes around me probably do not have. Mm -hmm. At least not the same thing. Different people have different things. And it was at that point, it was just kind of like, you know, this is what I have. I'm just going to do with what I can in that moment. Mm -hmm. I see. And that was eighth grade? Yeah. That you really started, because you got the results back from the biopsy, I bet. Correct. And that's where they found the protein and that's where they found things were not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. So they found the protein in my normal checkup because it appeared in the urine and that's when they ordered the biopsy. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, I had a lot of meetings with a lot of different doctors Mm -hmm. um, down at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which by the way, fantastic hospital. Mm -hmm. That's why my nudes are going to support them. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But you didn't tell anybody? No. 
You didn't tell a soul. No. The only people that knew were my family. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that it was just like, I don't want people to look at me any differently. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want people to give me an excuse. Mm-hmm. I'm me. And it's the only life that I know. And I don't want people to be like, oh, he's lesser than because of this. It's If, if you've ever heard the compliment, it's like, oh, you did this amazing thing in spite of this. Mm-hmm. It's not as much of a compliment as you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing that I accomplished that, period. Mm-hmm. Don't say it in spite of this. Yeah. That's just like, oh, look at you doing something great after you went through all of this shit. And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> just fuck off. Uh, yeah, I see. So do you think that any of this spilled over from when you were a child? Like you knew something. As a kid, you don't know anything, but you mm-hmm. know, you can pick up on vibes. You know, you can pick up on like what the, the rhythm is. You said yourself, you know, you went to doctors more than other kids. So do you think even as a kid, you knew like something was different and this seed of this mindset was there where you were like, I can do just as much as anyone else. Like, why wouldn't I be able to? Because my willpower is there to do it. That confidence is there. Do you think that had any effect on it? It's possible. I think the other thing was I was always naturally gifted with motor skills and talent. So like I could run fast. Um, when I played backyard football with the neighborhood kids, I was always the first picked, you know, different things along those lines. Like capture the flag, I was the first pick. We had rules where I couldn't be on the same team as other people because then we'd be too good. Mm-hmm. So there was a level of like respect for the skill set I had. But it was one of those things that, you know, my brother was less in tune in that front. And so I was always bigger and athletically superior in that way. But he always had a better work ethic than I did. Mm -hmm. And so it was something that my dad kind of talked about. It's like, if you had your brother's work ethic, you would destroy everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was always this level of I've got to prove myself. I feel like that's a younger brother mentality, too, is it's just like you got to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. And there were different times I got picked on for different things or excluded from stuff because I was younger. Mm -hmm. But it's possible it had to do with that. But really, I think it just had to do with more of my personality. I always wanted to be the best. Do you still feel that way today? In everything that I do, I focus on putting my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. I recognize that, you know, being the best is subjective. And I look more in the sense of being the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I'm competing against somebody in a sport, I will go to the ends to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. There's a specific example that happened. I was up at Big Bear with a friend and we were doing these challenges as a part of this grand D&D game. Mm -hmm. But we had physical challenges. Mm. So one of them was Twister. I had had leg day the day before, and my legs were sore as hell. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was Twister, so I volunteered for whatever this physical trial of strength was. Nude Twister? No. Okay. And it came down to the final two people, and my legs were shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely shaking. Like, I could collapse at any moment. And this other person is this, this smaller, extremely limber woman. Absolutely Everybody in the room is being She's like... She's twisted like a pretzel around yes. you. It's crazy. Everyone in the room was like, oh, we already know who's going to win. It's not Tyler. And you, Sorry, I just got the visual of you. Oh, my legs are shit. Oh, no. <laughs> While like reaching into Yeah, he was like yeah. sprawling around like, oh, God. But yeah. every time I heard that, I'm like, it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going until I collapse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I ended up winning because she 
picked up her hand in a rotation, moving from a spot, therefore disqualifying her because she moved her hand that was already designated for And you called that out? I didn't. Okay, okay. I was um, about to say, that'd be like, oh, yes, I saw it. It went no. a millimeter. In, in all honesty, I didn't immediately call it out. Somebody else did. Mm-hmm. But I said, oh, no, you moved your hand because I wanted to keep going. Ah, uh, I see. The competitive see. spirit. I wanted to win because I overcame, uh, not yeah, because you of wanted a mistake. to win fairly. Yes. Mm-hmm. But a mistake is overcoming. It's a lack of concentration. So that is a thing. But afterwards, I collapsed onto the mat and I couldn't walk <laughs> for like the next 10 minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had somebody help me get back to my seat at the table for what we were doing. Nice. And that's what I mean, like that competitive nature. Oh, I, I know it. I saw it too uh, when we were all riding these electric bicycles that I had up a mountain. Oh. Um, like I thought all of them had charge, but the one Tyler had didn't have charge. Not enough anyway to get all the way up at full power. So it ran out of battery, and we're going up a mountain, so that's why we got the electric bicycles. And so we we slow down because we're like, hey, we lost Tyler. Where is he? And we just see around the corner, Tyler, like a minute later, just... (laughs) 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 Just he's pedaling this bike. And if you know an electric bike, it doesn't have gears. It's a fixie, and it's not meant... Well, it's not fixie, but it's like a single gear, one speed. It's heavy. It's not meant to go uphill. He's powering this thing just like <laughs> and it catches up with it and we're like oh what happened he's like it ran out of battery i'm like what <laughs> if i had to pedal that up a mountain i would never make it i wouldn't make it i've done that and i give up and i walk <laughs> like he's just pedaling up so i think like some of that does rise to the surface very quickly so it's all about trying to find the best ways to apply this this uh competitive spirit to better yourself in life but we're not there yet we need to back up because it's time for high school. The awkward years. Uh, Hormones. Classes. For some reason, you're still taking Spanish and we don't know why. You know, I never even learned a single word of Spanish. I'm in my fourth year of Spanish. Oh, what happened to me? I'm in <laughs> band. Da-da-da-da-da. F- football, suddenly there's junior varsity. Varsity. There's all these varsity. What is varsity? I don't know what varsity means. Who knows? I there's... forgot I played football in junior high. <laughs> there's still no recess. I thought oh, it yeah. might come back or something. Like junior high was just a fluke, but high school, still no recess. Yeah. What is the deal? What are you doing? Well, freshman year was probably one of the hardest years. I was definitely an absolute ass. The bullying the stuff bullying came, back. came back. The bullying came back. Yep. Oh, oh, yep. Oh, oh, what happened? I think it tied into the kidney biopsy and the mm. struggles I was going through with the doctors and everything on that front. Because I was in eighth grade and now in ninth grade, you came into this year with new mindset and you had time for that to stew over summer break right and on top of that i was bullied in seventh and eighth grade on the football team because i got injured they were saying that i faked my injury or i was this or that and i had people basically diminishing what i was capable of Mm -hmm. and saying that i just was trying to be a part of the team and not actually play Mm -hmm. and one of them was actually the quarterback of the team which made it even worse because i was a receiver and so freshman year, I ended up subluxing my right shoulder. Sublux. Um, sublux. Sublux is a parcel dislocation within the body. Yeah. And so I got knocked out from that. And I also broke my toe that year during a uh, wrestling meet. But in the other years, seventh grade, I had Osgood slaughters, which is when your tendon is literally pulling off your shin bone. Yeesh. And yeah. And so like I kept getting injured. In seventh grade, eighth grade, and then freshman year, mm-hmm. they were just diminishing my capabilities. And mm-hmm. the quarterback would purposely throw me terrible passes so that I couldn't catch a pass. Is so that I true? Did, that's true. Did he tell you that? You can ask Tyler Sutherland. You can ask like a number of the players on that team recall mm-hmm. okay. distinctly. Uh-huh. 
because it was one of those things. We can cut it out. Who's the, who is the quarterback? I didn't know that guy very well. But uh, the other Tyler mm-hmm. yeah. uh, was also a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he also was one of our starting linebackers. So he had a cowboy collar, so he couldn't like turn his head at all. Oh, yeah. Which as a quarterback is impossible. Yeah. You need to be able to turn. Uh-huh. But he was playing quarterback because he was playing linebacker. He couldn't like switch out his pads during which because we didn't have time. Okay. So he was thrown with this cowboy collar and he was giving me better passes than the starting quarterback. I'm going to assume that's uh, a really good analogy of how much different it was. Yes. It also, could he could have been a terrible quarterback. I mean, he guy. was... He Not def- Tyler. Not other Tyler. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, he was decent, but he just threw the ball in the dirt and all this other stuff. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, all in all, it's not a very good junior high experience. You're going through puberty, and you discover that you have a health thing that you are keeping a secret, and you cannot tell anyone. Not even because you want to. Like, you don't want to tell anybody. But also, like, if you tell people, it'll feed into this idea where they'll be like, oh, well, you faking it. What's his kidneys? They would just work, or something like that. Or, like, oh, okay, oh, poor you. So, clearly, you don't want that. So, going into high school, you have a bullying phase where you're lashing out to other people and also just like it's generally just a testosterone well and it's the fact that i'm being bullied so to make myself feel better i Mm -hmm. hurt other people because then i make them lesser than me perpetuation of bullying and it's i've since apologized to it uh our friend becca was one of the people i bullied terribly Uh during freshman year of high school apparently also during senior year someone just recently when i was back home said that that becca said that you bullied her in senior year senior year senior year I don't remember anything. I, I didn't. Year. I didn't hear this from Becca herself, so it might. It was like I think Jesse said <laughs> said this, but we'll just blanket sweep it. Maybe he's mistaken because he wasn't even in our grade. That's true. I don't recall that if that's the case. But mm-hmm. I've, I apologize to her almost every time I see her. So um, maybe you should stop that. That that'd be weird. I I, I stop now. Okay. I was like, about to say every time it was, you it see was until like college. It was it was one of those things that mm-hmm. I I just felt really bad about it. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But. We are playing what sports in high school? In high school, freshman year, I played football. I wrestled. I played baseball summer before freshman year. Mm-hmm. I also quit playing baseball because of bullying, and mm-hmm. I also had a terrible coach my last season mm-hmm. outside of school baseball. And when I went to tryouts, the same bullies from the football team were at those tryouts. There's just a gang snapping their fingers like, hey, there's old Tyler Shine. I hate that guy. No, nothing. Oh, is this really? Is this a song that they were singing? Oh no, no, I'm sorry. He's starting to cry. Oh, tears are coming. (laughs) No, I went to one thing and I was just like, I'm done with baseball. I don't Mm. want to do that. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's when I made the decision to start playing water polo sophomore year. Okay, but water polo was a game changer to bring a sport phrase in here <laughs> but it was it was a, it was a very different experience because i know where you went with water polo but what was water polo like like going into that well i had done intramural water polo so mm-hmm. i'd known all of the water polo team and the coaches and the coach expressed numerous times how he wanted me to play 
I played goalie in intramural and because mostly because I didn't have a great swim strength, mm-hmm. I'd get tired pretty quick and I don't float in water. So I'd sink. Mm-hmm. And so my brother put me in goal and I have, because of baseball, I had a cannon for an arm. And so I would just nail outlet passes when somebody had a fast break, they'd score goals. Mm-hmm. I somehow blocked some of the best players on the team, oftentimes with my face, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> that was not a painless experience. You we'll got a six foot way. six wingspan, but a six foot seven face span. <laughs> yeah. Just your nose just oh no, I just had a I had a knack for reacting and knowing, understanding where the ball was gonna go. I don't know why. I just did. But specifically with your face. <laughs> yeah. It, I, you know, you're throwing your body around. It works. Uh-huh. And so I was convinced by, you know, people in our grade who I had kind of become friends with because they were friends with my brother mm-hmm. and the coaches and the older kids to go play water polo. Going from the toxic football environment to that mm-hmm. was tremendous. I felt like I belonged. I felt like you know, it was like a family. You were encouraged. You were you worked together. Nobody put anybody down. Nobody beat up on anybody else. It was how can we get better together? That's great. That sounds wonderful. And that's ultimately why I, I switched and played. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like is the biggest reason we had success with the mm-hmm. team that we had is we were all, it was like a brotherhood. Yeah. You know, we had each other's backs when it was in season, even outside in the school somebody come down the hallway and say some off comment towards one of us, somebody else would respond mm-hmm. making fun of them in return. Yeah. That's great. And like, that just goes to show just like what cooperation and, you know, actual teamwork can do for a person. Do you think that when you were playing water polo and you actually found this group that it helped you deviate from your bullying ways and then become more confident in yourself? I think it wasn't necessarily water polo, but water polo probably helped. Mm-hmm. Um, sophomore year, I also lost Craig. It was Craig Starkey. He died in a car accident on his senior trip. He had just graduated. He was a mentor of mine through scouts. And um, he was one of the people I had never seen him be mean to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I had always looked up to him. And in that same year, my grandfather died, my dad's dad. And he also was a person that was just incredibly kind. No matter how many goldfish he gave me and then they ended up dying and getting flushed down the toilet, he had another goldfish for me growing up. Mm Maybe he should have um, stopped giving goldfish <laughs> after a while. <laughs> like, not to be mean or anything. But. No, but like the amount of kindness that those two showed me and the amount of patience and everything were the two people I looked up to the most. And they passed away, Craig, between freshman and sophomore year. And then during sophomore year, my grandfather. And it made me really introspective of like, I look up to these people and I em- want to emulate. I want to be like them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that. Yeah. And so I looked at myself and I started making changes. And then my environment changed. I felt more accepted, more belonging. Like it probably compounded that in of itself to the point to where it changed me into the path to who did I want to be? Because I didn't like myself. I can tell you straight up, as mean as I was to everybody else and all of this different stuff, I did not like myself during that time. And I occasionally still struggle with that, but it's one of those things that this made me feel a lot better. It made me start to see in myself the things that I respected and I admired and work through and pulled those things out. And I started to enjoy myself more. I started to not, you know, hear all the hate and everybody who said negative things about me and started hearing the good things. Mm-hmm. And I started proving everybody wrong. Water polo was one of those sports that, yeah, I was naturally gifted at to a degree, mm-hmm. but I had to work really hard to understand that sport. Because you were negatively buoyant. You sank. 
Yeah. I That I, cannot be overstated how much of a detriment that is to yes. swimming. Yes. Some people float. Some people don't. The other thing is I never swim competitively. Everyone else on the team had been doing swim meets and swimming and all this stuff. I didn't know how to do a flip turn. That was a part of the thing. Like I had to work and work and work. I had to learn how to tread water properly. Every practice, I was put through something I had never done before. Mm -hmm. And I was also doing a water sport. Yeah, I could swim. I was thrown in the pool when I was little and I could swim. Cool. But I mostly played land sports. The muscles and everything was distinctly different. It was just a whole new world of sport that I'd never done mm -hmm. and really had to push myself and learn and have that work ethic that my brother had to suddenly become good, really good and really good at this sport. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And then, but. of course, sophomore year was my first year. Junior year, I was the starting goalie. I got an all-state honorable mention award mm -hmm. and then senior year the whole team won state mm -hmm. and i moved from goalie to field to play whole defense which my wrestling skills came into play mm -hmm. going against bigger guys and using pressure points and body control put them to sleep and they just <laughs> roll down beneath the <laughs> yes. water <laughs> yes i did the um oh, what's that star trek uh vulcan nerve pinch I yeah think that's it the vulcan <laughs> oh, and then and then will never seen again yep yep that's how it goes but but even though all the wonders of puberty and water polo and realizing how cool girls are and whatnot and, you know, relationships and friendships and stuff, that's normal high school for most people. Yeah. You had an underlying thing through this entire experience. Mm -hmm. A ticking clock, literally, quite mm -hmm. literally a ticking clock. Because as you get closer to the end of high school, you get ever closer to this moment where you have to have a life-changing surgery well i mean even before that senior year my mom uh we thought she was gonna die yeah she had to have another kidney transplant her previous one got rejected and so we had to wait and hope for a cadaver donor and we miraculously got one from a two-year-old in san francisco that died in a car accident so it was a double whammy mm -hmm. double whammy of seriousness all kidney related yeah and it's one of those things where being that young and yes, even still a senior in high school or a junior high school or whatever, like it's it's still incredibly young. Like the, no life experiences beyond the system of school and sports and whatever little bit of extracurricular stuff you can get. So to be go from this very normal experience that a lot of us can relate to in terms of like, oh, we tried sports, we did sports, we excelled at sports, stuff like that. There's still this underlying thing of this problem. So wherever you would like to start, whether it is with your mom or with your surgery, where did, because at some point you had to admit it to people, you had to tell people about it because the thing about being on a team is like, you gotta take time for yourself and people need to know why. When was that moment? So the moment wasn't until I actually went into chronic kidney failure in sophomore year of college, mm -hmm. but I was affected by it. In water polo, I cramped up quite a bit playing goalie, especially in long games like double overtime and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I went into chronic kidney failure and it was like, oh, I need a kidney now. I went and Wade was one of the first people I told he was hanging out with my friend Jared. And I was like, hey, guys, first off, you don't have to get tested or anything like that. And I'm not asking you to, but I want to tell you the situation I'm in right now. It was on my 20th birthday. My doctor called me and was like, hey, we can't wait for a transplant. You have to go on dialysis. But before that was the discussion of what was going to happen. But that was the distinct moment that I actually started talking 
and I was going down to visit uh, Wade down at UC. Mm-hmm. And we went down there and I told them what was going on. And I just, you know, I filled them in, told them everything that was happening. Jared had had known I had some medical stuff going on and that I had kidney issues, but he didn't know what the severity was. And that was because my mom had told his mom because uh, his mom was a nurse. And so it was on my 20th birthday, I went down there and I told him that I had to go on dialysis and I'm going into chronic kidney failure and I very well could die. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was when I first started telling people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't until like college. And so you transitioned from high school sports to college sports because obviously you were going to do that. You picked your college based on like the sport program. Yeah, I picked it based on the sport administration program. I also Mm -hmm. picked it based on who would let me walk onto the football team. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it was a dream of mine growing up to always play college ball. Okay. Um, it was still a dream of mine to make it to the NFL, and I still believed in that dream. Mm-hmm. So I walked onto the football team. I made it. And freshman year, I tore all of the tissue in the bottom of my left foot. Ow. Yeah, they thought I had torn my Liz Frank. What's my, a Liz Frank? Liz Frank is the ligament that keeps your toes from splaying out like starfish. Oh. They keep them together. It's fun. Fun? Yeah. Uh, luckily I didn't tear that, but that was a freak accident that happened freshman year. Uh And then, yeah, sophomore year I had went into chronic kidney failure, Mm -hmm. but I chose Wilmington because it was close. I chose it because they had a good sport and men program. Mm -hmm. I also had scholarship offers there. I actually had a scholarship competition to win the full ride. Needless to say, I didn't win, Mm -hmm. but even just by attending that, you got an $1,000 scholarship. Helpful. And yeah, so I ended up going to Wilmington for that, but I also was able to play club water polo there. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had the potential uh, junior year. I was being looked at by college scouts in water polo, but because I didn't swim competitively, they didn't really look at me too closely. And then once I switched positions senior year, they disappeared. Mm -hmm. So I focused on football and the potential to play water polo and go there and then staying close to home because of, you know, then I wouldn't have to worry about switching doctors or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That all makes sense. And so what really like sticks with me is this drive to prove yourself. Because we've talked about this before. We've actually talked about this on this podcast of you pre and post this surgery in your football team. So we need not get into those details. I don't mm-hmm. remember the specific episode that it was, but you can probably find people telling you on the Discord if you want to find out what that is. But what really is the through thread of this, even beyond sporting in your life, our friendship, you coming out to your L.A., and I, I'm not calling you out or anything, I'm just like saying it as an observation, is the desire to prove yourself and the desire to exceed at what you believe is your best abilities and you you have a certain standard of quality that you hold yourself to and there's can be a certain frustration when that standard cannot be met through pure physical exertion or pure willpower and that can lead to a lot of like insecurities and stuff like that but also i want to emphasize it's not a bad thing this desire to exceed and this desire to prove oneself and this desire to push forward no matter what the circumstances is a very very valuable trait It's an incredibly powerful one. It can also be incredibly powerful in the opposite direction by bringing you down just as strongly. Um, But I think it's one of your best traits. No matter what the circumstances of your life and whatever has happened in your life and where it's led and the things that you have overcome, and I'm not saying this like, you've overcome them, look at how (laughs) it is. The things that you have challenged are simply by 
show force challenges that many people would have broken against. And I think like this sheer determination and willpower and fierce, fierce competitive spirit is part of what makes you such an admirable person. And I think like it's, it's one of the things that I respect about you the most. And it does originate a lot of it cultivated, at least in the sporting world. And that's why your life deserves a two-parter because it is extra or extraordinary. Thanks. You're <laughs> welcome. That is also a struggle, accepting compliments. That's fine. Doesn't mean I'm not going to say it because I'm very good at talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I look back at my life and there's, I, I talk about this all the time. Nobody gets anywhere without help. Mm-hmm. And being around friends like you and when like your AdSense went away and stuff like that, why I was so adamant about if it's what you want to do, push and continue doing it. Mm-hmm. You bring into my mind things that I never thought about throughout this entire process of this particular episode in where did it originate? Where did it come from? And trying to find the root of it and bearing down into that. You're right. I think it does come from sport. I think it does come from the environment that I was put in the fact that I was naturally gifted at sport, but I had still had something to prove. Mm. And then obviously the injuries and the illness and everything else that happened, like, you know, this, I had three knee surgeries. Mm. I've torn all the tissue in the bottom of my left foot. I've subluxed my right shoulder, broken both my big toes, you know, and on top of that, you know, the kidney transplant, the dialysis and everything on that front. Like I wouldn't be here if it I wasn't about pushing and overcoming. Mm-hmm. And then as a last thing, this isn't a call out. But I did notice it. You tweeted something. And and this is going to date the episode a little bit. But I wanted to bring it up. And this is all because it is part of this. Quote, this is the tweet. My biggest goal of 2023 is to finally showcase what I can do. And I really am curious. What is that referring to? For me, it's referring to a lot of things that I haven't been able to show. A lot of things that I haven't done yet. I wrote music years ago. That's one of the things I want to do that. There's a book I need to write. I'm trying to hold myself accountable for the number of things that I think I'm capable of putting out there and I'm capable of having success in. And also it's a shout out on this podcast itself to push this podcast higher and further and be better and improve every single episode. But more than anything, it's about putting myself out there in a way that it's just, this is me, this is what I can do, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Not like in a negative way, but like, you know, make a name for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's fair. That's very fair. I admire that. And I wish you the best of luck with that. How many pages have you written? So far, none. There's still a lot of year left. There is. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't count on that. I just need to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. But that will bring us to a close for Tyler's Sport Life. Thank you, Tyler, for sharing. Uh, Part two. Part two. (laughs) I want to point that out. Part two. We all don't have this incredible sport life that you do. However, it was very engaging, and I love listening to it. Well, thank you for uh, hosting. Of course. It's always interviewing and pointing in a direction always that I never expect. That's what I try to do here. That's what I try to do, mostly because I forget what happened in the last (laughs) one. Well, you you brought it in a different way. You approach it in a different manner that mm-hmm. I would, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't talk about the sports I played or what I did in those sports or anything like mm-hmm. that. You talked about 
me in the underlying with the sport as the background mm, and yeah. what instilled in it. And yeah. that's unique to me. Because I, that's how I view sports. I view sports as weaving into this, someone's life. It's not a singular part of anything. Uh, even like a professional athlete, sport is not their entirety of being. They have a right. life outside of sport, whether it's a family, whether it's friends, whether it's going like splurging money in Vegas, whatever it is, that's the other facet of their life. We all are multifaceted creatures and we all have different parts. Because at the baseline, a human experience is simply, or life experience on this planet is, you get born, you eat, poop, you, you make more, and then you die. So everything in between those are just the things, the flavor, the spices that we interject and interweave into those experiences that we all share. Yes, right? you eat poop. No, there were commas. There, were there was commas. not a pause. No, it does, you don't need a pause to have a comma. Listen, I'm going to teach you some writing. <laughs> <laughs> You, um. you eat poop and die. <laughs> you eat poop, make more, and die. And the Oxford comma is in there, too, before the and. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this episode. Next episode will be Tyler's love life, where we explore his love life in excruciating detail. No. No, that is not. No. No. <laughs> his exploration no. of self. His, no. <laughs> his reading of the Kama Sutra at way too young age. His trips to... Uh, <laughs> the Philippines <laughs> that no one knows about. What? We'll get into all the juicy details. <laughs> My name is Mark Blair. This is Tyler. Yeah, that's me. Go check out the the podcast. Follow it everywhere. Like it, whatever. Also, go check out the merch. Hopefully, new merch is in the store now. It's being worked on right now as we record, but go to store.gmfst.com and check mm. that out. Get your eye finger hat. <laughs> your eye finger sports hat shirt banner all the goodies i'm not wearing the hat right now but pretend like i am get it get it store.gmfsd.com get it get it get it bye bye it buy it buy it all right bye